They have 30 years experience leading advanced analytics and AI, which is another way of saying they're old. They have tackled hundreds of major programs and projects, which is probably why they're bald. <laughs> they are working in retirement to help America win the global AI competition, which is to say that their views are their own. This is AI for Leaders by AI Leaders. Practical, to-the-point content helping you drive results with AI. Here's Chris and Frank. Welcome to the AI Leaders Podcast. I'm Frank Strickland. I'm Chris Whitlock. Chris, before we jump into today's episode, which is going to touch on something that I think has been all the rave in AI and uh, a lot of people will be interested in, just want to tell our listeners briefly, uh, we have a free gift for you. Uh, if you go to our website, AILeaders.com, uh, there is a small document that you can download there that is going to help you mitigate one of the greatest risks in project execution. Uh, that no other AI or analytics process methodology talks about. Uh, so just go to our site, AILeaders.com, uh, and you can download that, share it with others. Uh, it is our free gift to you. Uh, so, Chris, we are going to talk about leading and the use of questions. This struck me uh, many years ago in my leader development journey. Um, I was interacting with one of the vice chiefs of the military service, and I was trying to get prepared to have this interaction, and I asked someone, what type of leader is he? And I was told that he was an interrogatory leader. Um, you know, being a boy from Kentucky who spent my formative years in the Marine Corps, I had to go look interrogatory up. Uh, we normally don't use that many syllables when we're talking. Uh, and so I really began to think about that. And the bottom line, and we, we go into more detail in our book and in the courses we teach on this, but, but the bottom line is I think the acme of skill for a leader is asking an informed question that causes the practitioner or causes your leader or your teams to think and engage and interact and, and, and act in a way that they might not have if you hadn't asked the question. And so, you know, we are very big um, on helping leaders be informed enough on AI that they can use questions uh, to help lead the work and lead the teams. And so we're gonna talk today and do a little question and answer demonstration, um, but we're going to uh, talk about chat GPT uh, and good questions and not so good questions. Uh, before we get into, you know, showing a demo of chat GPT, Chris, uh, chat GPT is part of a larger body of AI models called generative AI models. Uh, what the fetch, you know, for the layman do we mean <laughs> right, by right, generative right, AI? Right. Uh, interrogatory. Right, exactly. yeah, generate, right? Generate. Uh, this is AI that generates an output and you see it in play. There's some really popular ones that have come out, but even in the last couple of months, Lenza 
which is uh, an image-oriented generative AI. You give it input images and it does enhancements using models and creates outputs. It, it is generative AI in an image context. Um, a chat GPT, you can look, look up the acronym, I'm not gonna bother to expand that right now, but it is also uh, generative but in text. So you're creating a model that uh, allows you in this instance, um, chat is the key word, uh, giving it a question and as with a chat bot or question and answering system, it's going to give me a response. And it's doing that based on this large language model that, that underpins it. But that's chat GPT, it's part of the OpenAI project. They have done some really fascinating work yeah. Really? Over recent years, yeah. And we write about it in the book. We cover it uh, in the training. For an AI leader, really something you ought to be aware of. Uh, you think about this, Frank, I was mulling over earlier. There are about 165 million employment age citizens in the United States. About 1 million have created a, a chat GPT account. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people that are hearing about it but have not used it. Uh, you don't have to use it to, to have an understanding, but that gives you an idea and we thought it would be useful just to use that today to illustrate some things. Cool, cool. Uh, why don't we just show people a, a demonstration of it because some, probably most of our listeners have heard about it. Uh, they may not have created an account as you just illustrated uh, and are actually experimenting with it. Sure, I'll bring up a screen and show that. Okay, Frank, so this <clears throat> is the entry screen for chat GPT. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is uh, like a chat bot in functionality. And we see these deployed commercially in some areas in government, a chat bot uh, can uh, over the internet or other, uh, take queries with uh, someone needing services and iterate a response. For example, my internet provider uh, regularly uses chatbots. If I have a problem I need to resolve, uh, I'll go back and forth with a chatbot. And I get to a human uh, when I need the human uh, to work through some of the final remediations. But chatbots are common. Here's how it works. Right, so there is um, a window at the bottom of the screen and I can ask it a, a question. Uh, in this instance, uh, how hard is it to integrate AI into DOD systems? Mm, good so question. I'm asking it a question. I sit back and it thinks. Now, this large language model has processed millions of records, billions of parameters, and it looks for linkages between entities, uh, words. Uh, there's a whole lexicon that is used in this area around nat natural language processing. But it's looking to create uh, taskly linkages between concepts, etc. So we ask it that question, and then it generates this response. 
which like some of the ones that we have shared in training or, or in, in the book, they are not shabby quality. Uh, at a high level, this is a very good, re- I, well, I know uh, we could ask this of a number of practitioners uh, and especially as fast as they did it, they would not give as concrete and coherent and clear <laughs> response as this. Yeah, and that's fascinating. Um, you know, this is a right now, this is released as a research tool. Uh, and, and, and it's awesome what they are doing yeah. with it. But they're learning and they will improve this over time. It may ultimately be sold as a premium service. They may have a free use option as, as they do now. But like with many uh, cognitive related services in the cloud, et cetera, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, you know, this uh, I would expect at some point, this is a pay for uh, service. Yeah. Now, we can ask it a question like that, though, and get an answer. And that's the neat thing about uh, these question answering systems. Um, there are some issues to be mindful of and and as leaders, you know. We ought to be asking questions uh, about this. Right. And so two things uh, one caveat quickly, Chris, or just a footnote for folks. Um, You had mentioned OpenAI, this group that is that has developed chat GPT. They've been working on large, large language models for some time. They also do some other interesting work in other areas of advanced AI. So we just encourage leaders if you're if you're sort of interested in understanding leading edge AI modeling and research, uh, OpenAI uh, is is a good place to bookmark and spend some time there. But Chris, when we talk about leaders asking good questions, you know, to lead the work and lead the teams, um, you know, how does that relate to you know Chat GPT? I. I think, you know, fundamentally what we've lived through, what we've experienced, and most senior leaders have have been down this path, the challenge is tuning your questions to this environment. And so I I would illustrate it this way. I was was in an interaction um, over the last couple of weeks, and there were written exchanges in this interaction. But fundamentally, the, the question people were going around on was, is chat GPT really AI? <laughs> so, you know, for anybody that's watching the podcast. We should do a one second podcast episode on that question. Yeah, yes. Uh, the the, the uh, interesting thing to me is you can experience this question answering process, which can generate lists, which can uh, suggest corrections to computer programming code, uh, given given an input. It's a pretty fascinating capability. But that was the nature of question that this one group was going around on. Eh, You know, is this really even AI? And one, one particular uh, participant in this is no large language model is ever AI. That is not AI at all. Yeah. And it was causing me to have hives. Uh, it just personally, I, 
we have been around the barnyard enough. Uh, let's just the, forgive me for interrupting. Let's just I want to remind you now because I know where your mind is going in terms of the frustration on these sort of questions. We, we're generally keeping this podcast to to kind of a G rated, you know, worst case <laughs> PG. So, yeah, but it, it's it's a really frustrating uh, aspect of many of these things, uh, and I think a consciousness for a leader is where do I start to engage with conceptual questions? And I, I might argue that's a bit of a conceptual question. Is this even AI? If a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, does it really make a noise? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that that's a very potent question, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this community and it can manifest itself in a wide variety of forms. So when we wrote the book, we actually took a little bit different tact in framing AI and how to think and interact about this more constructively because there are a variety of ways that it can manifest itself. And if in our routine interactions, we take this very narrow doctrinaire approach, uh, you know, our view is that's not so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in the book, you know, we won't unpack all the axioms in the second chapter of the book is around thinking and, and communicating about AI and there are four axioms in there. But the first one really deals with focusing on the mission problem that we're trying to solve. There is just far too little conversation on what problem are we trying to solve? What performance are we trying to impact? What do we know about the baseline performance that we say we're trying to impact? Uh, what question are we trying to answer uh, in the mission space? Um, as, as opposed to even things like these frameworks for AI, and we put one in the book from Gartner, which is a fine framework, but it, we put it in as an illustration. It's a conceptual framework and I would just say to all of you all who are in industry, but also those of you who are in government that are leading AI activities, the people you are serving do not give a tinker's damn about any of these conceptual frameworks. They just do not care. Um, and in fact, if you found somebody in the mission that cared about one of those, I'd go look for a different customer because chances are you're not gonna get anything done in that mission. Um, they, they want practical things and practical is defined first and foremost, what is it going to do to help them in the sense-making, decision-making and action-taking cycle? Uh, yeah, sound, think, sounds foundational. Right, just but. reflecting on journeys that we have had, uh, you know, I could name a number of people, just first names and, and we would immediately know who we're talking about, but it's easy to get caught up in these definitional taxonomy oriented things who cares is it really ai you just saw what chat gpt can do that's not the most potent kind of question for a leader to be going around on now if you flip that around there are very pertinent examples of where this goes and there are not necessarily simple um, solutions around some of these issues, but 
you know, a, a potent question now is how do we use these results given that they are not linked to the source document? Mm. So you were amazed by how rapidly it generated an output. But that output has no linkage to any set of source documents, and it will do that on nigh unto infinity issues. Right. right? And I may care about that. I mean, I think about where, where I grew up, uh, just writing intelligence-oriented documents. It was crucial to illustrate the sourcing. Uh, when we're writing the product, often there will be a fact-oriented body of the, the product, and then there's an analysis-oriented body of the product. And in the fact-oriented body of the product, uh, according to uh, human reporting, you know, la, 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 you're, you're laying something out. And then you're citing that report at the bottom in case the decision maker actually wants to lay their eyes on it themselves. Okay, I get what you're saying. I want to read that. Yeah. That linkage is not there with ChatGPT. Now, can it be created? Potentially. Not an easy lift. Right. right? Not likely an easy lift. And would likely, e even if possible, require a lot on the part of, of OpenAI uh, to get at that. So how do you use it? That's a really good question. That's a right. really good question. Yeah, just taking a practical example from what we're doing, Chris, one of the things that you and I are thinking about right now is, do we take ChatGPT and take our book on leading AI programs and projects, take other key source material that is related to leading AI programs and projects, you know, train ChatGPT on that content and basically put up a question and answer system on our webpage so that when leaders have questions about leading AI programs and projects, they can go to our website, ask the question, boom, get an answer. Um, well, okay, but if it's our book, you know, we own that content along with the publisher, but you know, if we incorporate content from 15 other sources, you know, where are we going to get across the breakers in, you know, not citing their sources potentially in, in that type of solution? Now, that's just, that's a, a simple, quote unquote, simple, it's, it's unique to us, you know, a mission user wouldn't necessarily care about that, but they could have other, they will have other source citation cares like the intelligence analysis example that you cited. Yeah, just usage, usage kinds of questions. Uh, technically, though, that is one for many of these applications. Let's say you were asking it a question. Let's say that it had access to maintenance-oriented documents around a type series of aircraft uh, and parts associated with those. And you're asking it a question on what should be done, but there's no source linkage to the documents where it in effect formed that answer. Is that a problem? I don't know. That's a good question to ask, right? right? That's a very good question to ask. Now, it's, it's also interesting, um, and it's a research project, right? What they have done is a phenomenally elegant, yeah. large-scale research project. 
but it has an end date certain for the content that was used to train the large language model. So it has no content from 2022 in it. You can ask it a 2022 question, relevant question, and it does not know the answer. It is not connected to the internet. So you cannot ask it for content that pertains to uh, the internet. What is the best this? What is the best that? How hard would it be to create uh, something that is streaming and retrains and updates, you know, on a regular basis? Those are those are interesting questions, and they're not none of those are are necessarily easy. And it's it's sussing out as a leader with knowledgeable people. What's that art of the possible? Where might you have to stretch, but it's worth the investment? What's easy to do and provides some value? So in effect, um, we offer a method in in, in the training uh, around four types of questions, but especially here, opportunity and risk. Kind of what what are the opportunities to use this? And what do I need to plumb that? What do I need to know to plumb that? And on the flip side, what do I need to know about the risks in using this in a yeah. particular type of application? As I hear you talk about that, Chris, it reminds me um, of an example that, you know, we live through both directly and indirectly, you know, when we sold our business and we're part of IBM and we're IBM partners, um, IBM Research built a capability. Many will have heard of it. Um, if, if not, you should go and watch some YouTube video. Uh, but uh, IBM built an enormously complex question answering system, actually generating questions as the answer that played the game of Jeopardy and beat Jeopardy grand champions. Um, it, it just it, something that, you know, if, if you would have been told 20 years ago that a machine was going to play Jeopardy and was going to beat Jeopardy grand champions at Jeopardy and the machine was just going right. to be, you know, no human there, it was going to receive the audio from the host, translate that, formulate the question, buzz back in and deliver the question as the answer faster than Jeopardy grand champions. It would have stretched your, yeah. It, only the people who are woohoo tiggerish on, you know, what machines can do would have believed that. But, but IBM successfully built and deployed that capability and played the game and won. Yet when it came time to then take that capability and that architecture and those models and translate them then to other problems, in some cases, it proved to be enormously challenging. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, part of what leaders want to have in mind is how easy is it for a team of mine to integrate a capability into a program? Is it worth initiating a project to begin uh, that project, uh, that process? How many different facets of it uh, are there? Th those are quite different questions from, you know, is this really AI? 
and and there are other categories that of, or other types of questions we could put in that same category. They're just less helpful if your goal is introduce much more aggressively and on an accelerated basis AI-enabled capabilities into the department, into the national security environment. Um, we all need to to improve our ability to ask the right questions and then square up on the priority activities in order to drive the maximum rate of progress uh, into our systems, mm. enduring systems. So that's a little bit of overview on chat GPT from my perspective and um, yeah, and some of the question asking issues. Yeah. So what Chris and I are doing in AILeaders.com uh, in the book that we wrote, uh, Winning uh, the National Security AI Competition, a practical guide for government and industry leaders, you can find on Amazon where you find your books, um, and the courses that we have developed and are promulgating online uh, through AILeaders.com is just this. We, we are trying to equip you um, to ask better questions about the work and about the people doing the work um, at a high level, much more detail in the book and in the courses, but, but in those two dimensions, the work content and the people and the teams doing the work um, so that you can be a better leader, whether you are a practitioner rising into the leader ranks and want to gain leadership experience, or whether you're already a senior leader or you're somebody uh, in the mission or in the business back office uh, that needs to interact on AI uh, and have an impact, but you need to be equipped uh, and understand enough beyond awareness so that, that you can engage. That's what we're doing. Uh, so you can go to our site, AILeaders.com. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, like this content if you would. Uh, if you're getting this uh, through our podcast on Apple or Spotify, please rate and review us. Uh, it will help get the words out, uh, get the word out to other leaders. And again, uh, if you go to our site, AILeaders.com, uh, there's a paper there for you uh, free of charge uh, that will help you mitigate risk uh, in project delivery by addressing a phase of project delivery that is not addressed uh, in any other uh, AI process out there. So till next time, appreciate you. Indeed. <laughs>